Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Last week, President Biden issued an a pardon of thousands of marijuana offenders. Many people wanted the president to go further and, by executive order, reschedule the drug. Uh, but it's Congress, not the president, who has the power to do that. The question is, why haven't they, uh, despite many of the changes that have been happening across the country at the state level when it comes to cannabis? Uh, so the question is, where are we and where do we go next? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, we're very pleased to have joining us on the program today, John Hudak, who's the Deputy Director of the Center for Effective Public Management and a Senior Fellow in Governance Studies at the Brookings Institution. And uh, John, we appreciate you joining us today. And when it comes to cannabis, uh, it's been interesting and uh, noticeably quiet uh, on the election cycle. Uh, yeah, that's right. What we're finding in some research we've done at Brookings is to look at the issues of the day that are being discussed in congressional primaries. And while uh, cannabis reform has been passed uh, on the medical side in 38 states in D.C. and on the recreational side in 19 states plus D.C., uh, what we found is that only about 10 percent of congressional candidates actually mentioned it anywhere on their website or social media. Oh, no, that's that's really interesting because, again, it has uh, happened in so many uh, of the states. Have you uh, been able to gauge at all uh, any of the reaction in terms of the, the president's action, obviously pardoning uh, some 6,500 uh, offenders on the federal level? Uh, what's the fallout seem to be from that? Well, certainly the president has seen a really positive bipartisan reaction uh, from people in Congress and and around the country. Uh, This is an issue that is not a a Democrat versus Republican issue. Uh, This is an issue of criminal justice reform that a lot of Americans, regardless of their party uh, identification and leanings, uh, believe that more justice needs to be brought to this issue. And if we have states across the country who now not only uh, make it so that cannabis possession is not a crime, but have actually legalized it and set up a commercial system for it, that people shouldn't have uh, that hanging around their necks, those those past convictions hanging around their necks. Yeah, and I think that's a, an interesting thing. One, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, John, was uh, we know that if you look at that number, let's say it's the 6,500 number, uh, do we know how many of those were uh, kind of part of a plea deal, you know, a lesser charge for maybe a, a higher crime, but took a plea deal to for, for this lower crime. And now that lower crime has been wiped away by pardon. Uh, are we are we setting ourselves up in terms of a of a path or a pattern there in terms of that criminal justice reform? Uh, so we don't have a good estimate, or at least I don't have a good estimate on how many people uh, pled down to uh, you know simple cannabis possession. possession. What I will say is, Uh, In the broader scheme of criminal justice in the United States, uh, 6,500 people uh, getting pardoned, that will be meaningful for those 6,500 people. But the vast majority of cannabis possession crimes are charged at the state level Mm. where the president's pardon power does not reach. And so while this is an important first step, 
what the president also did last week, which I think was critically important, was to encourage governors uh, to do the same, recognizing that instead of affecting the lives of 6,500 people, he, they would be governors could be uh, potentially affecting the lives of hundreds of thousands of people who have been arrested for simple possession. Yeah, and the, the uh, state versus the federal is such an, an interesting thing. Uh, actually, here in the state of Utah, uh, the governor doesn't have power to to pardon uh, that kind of thing either. And so it's an interesting thing which states that would actually apply to. Uh, and one of the other things I wanted to get to is kind of the the, the different conversation, not just the uh, the policy. Uh, or the, you know, whether it's a pardon or whether it's an executive order, uh, but actually dealing with the the issue itself in terms of cannabis, the the impact uh, that it does have. Uh, obviously, there's the medical component to that. There's there's youth and teens and their use of that, uh, gateway drug issues and those kinds of things. Uh, how has all of this impacted that part of the discussion? Because sometimes I think we we forget about all of those pieces as we as we look to some of the process uh, and the political pieces. For sure. And millions of people have gone to polls across uh, the United States at the state level and chosen uh, a path other than prohibition, uh, recognizing that legalization, be it for medical use or for full-scale adult use, um, is something that uh, is likely a better policy outcome than what we've seen with the war on drugs. Now, that said, voters go to the polls recognizing that uh, policies create risks and policies have challenges, and states have uh, worked hard to create systems that try to prevent youth use uh, from increasing. Certainly having ID checks at dispensaries and things like that uh, are critically important. Uh, but what voters have done and what state legislators have done uh, is to weigh the benefits and the risks of legalization versus the benefits and risks of prohibition. And increasingly, more and more states are choosing legalization as a better policy path, despite potential challenges and risks. Yeah. And as you uh, look at that, uh, and again, it's, it's interesting that this just hasn't been high on the priority list in terms of uh, campaigns and, and campaign focus. Uh, do you expect to see anything at the federal level or, do, or is this going to be something that is going to continue in those laboratories of democracy at the state level? For sure, in the short term, it looks like states are going to be where these policy changes are happening. But it's important to note uh, that particularly over the past six to eight years, there has been remarkable increases in support within Congress for full-scale legalization. Um, Most of that support uh, coming from Democrats in Congress, uh, but there is bipartisan support for a variety of different policy changes related to cannabis. And I think as time goes on, uh, more and more elected officials are looking at legalization or other types of cannabis reform as the future. They're not as scared of it politically as they once were, and particularly as generational changes happen in Congress, as older elected officials are replaced by millennials and and eventually uh, Gen Gen Zers. um, Those types of changes can happen very rapidly in Congress. Yeah. Anything else you're looking looking at in the uh, short term in terms of things that might happen either by executive order? Uh, Again, I'm not holding out anything that uh, I think Congress is going to take action on, but anything else on the horizon you're watching? It'll be interesting to see if the president takes some other steps that he has within his power uh, to, in terms of dealing with cannabis policy. So questions about 
the ability of certain federal employees to use medical or adult mm. use cannabis, uh, not necessarily law enforcement or the military, but, you know, desk jockeys in D.C. and in other federal offices around the country. Uh, taking those types of questions, uh, considerations over whether past uh, use of cannabis or past cannabis convictions would be grounds for the denial of someone's security clearance. Mm. Uh, these are all issues that the president has fairly unilateral power uh, to affect. And it will be interesting if last week's moves from the White House, from the Biden White House, uh, is the end of the road uh, for Biden's potential cannabis policy changes or if it's the first step in that direction. Uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, John Hudak is the deputy director of the Center for Effective Public Management and a senior fellow in governance studies at the Brookings Institution. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Great insight. Uh, so lots to, to think about there, lots to work our way through. Of course, we know Utah Governor Spencer Cox uh, was very adamant online uh, talking about what the president did and what the president inter- encouraged governors to do, uh, stating that uh, Governor Cox doesn't have power to grant that kind uh, of pardon here in the state of Utah by by our Constitution. Uh, so the question uh, remains open in terms of where we are and what comes next when it comes to the cannabis conversation. And for me, it's important that we not only look at the process, what needs to be done by lawmakers, what needs to be decided by voters. But we've also got to have the crucial conversation in some of the downstream unintended consequences. Sometimes in that rush to alleviate the suffering of some, we create suffering for many more.